Let's pray. Father, as we turn to your word this morning, we ask that you would open our hearts and open our minds to receive what you would want to say to us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I wasn't sure about my cue there, but I, I just went for it and Josh nodded, and it seemed like that was a positive nod, so uh, <laughs> no one was telling me to sit down, so that was good. It is good to be with you here this morning, and it's good to see familiar faces, and it's even better to see unfamiliar faces, uh, that uh, EVC is moving forward, and that is great to see. Uh, Tina and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, we are enjoying life in Osler, Saskatchewan. Uh, it's a wonderful place, enjoying worshipping at Osler Mission Chapel and serving there in various capacities. And it's good to be back here to share God's Word. So I'd like to do that this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about, well, you've already heard the obituary for the patriarch Abraham in the verses that we read. I suspect that most of you in this room uh, this morning have attended a funeral service. Uh, it is possible that some of you haven't, but uh, not, uh, unlikely. Uh, even though we call a, worship, a funeral service a worship service, uh, there are some things included in a funeral service that are not in our service this morning. Uh, we don't have an obituary, although we just read this one this morning normally, and uh, we tend to have some other additions. Cambridge Dictionary says an obituary is a report, especially in a newspaper, that gives the news of someone's death and details about their life. Uh, in most services, that obituary is read uh, at the time of the funeral. And obituary includes things like where the person was born, uh, who their parents were, who their family is, uh, where they went to school, uh, where they worked and what they did, and in the case of a Christian person, uh, where they got saved, uh, where they were baptized, and how they were involved in the, in the ministry of the church. And uh, they generally talk about people who predeceased them and concludes with uh, the time of their death and sometimes the circumstances of their death. There's another part of the service that we call a eulogy. A eulogy also represents the story of the deceased person, but it's less factual, uh, meaning just a list of facts, but the, there's some stories about the person. It's given verbally, uh, and uh, it's kind of an oral history where someone tells about what happened uh, throughout this person's life. It's generally done by a friend who, who knew the deceased quite well and will include significant stories, which and sometimes can be funny. Um, there was a eulogy from my father at his funeral, and he, and he hit the ditch one time. Uh, and the person who kind of came along next was, was the minister who was actually performing the funeral. And he says, I'm glad you came because anyone else came that have thought I was drunk. And he had a reputation for being uh, a teetotaler. Um, so he was, uh, those kind of stories can get out. It was funny at the time. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, we have this story, uh, or in Genesis 25, we have this kind of uh, obituary that he was 175 years old. He breathed his last at a good old age, and uh, Isaac and Ishmael were there burying him at the cave of Machpelah. Uh, even though Ishmael and the sons of Abraham's concubines are mentioned in this story, uh, the focus is on Abraham, and it, it moves to Isaac toward the end. He's the son of the promise, and he receives the blessing of God, one of the few places where the Bible says God blessed someone. Isaac inherits all Abraham owned, and is uh, probably, uh, which was considerable, but we are told that Abraham was not delinquent. He provided for all the other children that he had, and then not wanting there to be sort of sibling trouble, he sent all the rest away to the east and kept Isaac where he was. We first meet Abraham when he's 75 years old, and he's a man of faith for the next 100 years. He dies at 175, and Genesis piles on the description for his death. He breathed his last at a good old age. He was an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. He, he lived a good life up to his death. He was an old man when he died, uh, and uh, uh, well spoken of. I attended a birthday party for a lady who was 90 years old. And uh, she was in a long-term care facility, and there was lots of family there, and there was lots of staff who did a great job in creating a a celebration feeling. I grabbed a chair, and I pulled it up uh, to the table where she was sitting, uh, and uh, I I talked to her about how wonderful it was that she had this longevity in her life. And she responded, you know, that old age is not all it's cracked up to be. And uh, she lived for some years after that uh, and uh, made a difference in people's lives. We need to remember that Abraham uh, was this uh, man who uh, lived a good life and a long life. But we need to remember also that he was not a perfect man. He did things that didn't honor God. And still the scriptures called him by this title, a man of faith. He was a human being, just like us. He faced the same challenges that we face, and uh, maybe more. He has given this promise from God that he would uh, have a son, uh, and the biological clock kept moving forward, and and Abraham remained resolute about that uh, promise that the child would come. And when God told Abraham to sacrifice the child, he still believed God and would have followed through with the sacrifice because of his commitment to obedience. And while he was a man of extraordinary faith, and extraordinary faith is the size of a mustard seed, uh, it was not impossible faith. And it's the same faith that you and I share as a gift from God. So I'd like to talk about what we, we learn from this man's faith. Uh, I'd like to share five aspects. The bulletin insert is four. There's one in the middle called patient faith. Um, and uh, five things that uh, Raymond Brown, uh, pr- a former principal of Spurgeon's College in London, sort of helped me come up with. Uh, and so the first one is, uh, it, it was responsive faith. And, and I'd like to take this from uh, Hebrews 11, because there we kind of have the eulogy uh, of uh, uh, Abraham. 
In Hebrews 11, verse 8, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. God called Abraham to go to a place where he would later receive his inheritance. And matter-of-factly, Genesis 12 in this text says, God called, and off he went. He went. Uh, God said, go, and Abraham went. Pretty straightforward. Uh, He was 75 years old in Haran, where, where God called him. Now, maybe 75 is the old 25, uh, I'm pushing 70. And the thought of a whole new venture in a, in a whole other place away from people uh, and uh, that I know and places that I love would take a little bit of, do I want to do this? Is this something I should do? Uh, Abraham heard go, and away he went. I might have la- at least asked, uh, where am I going? Uh, Abraham set out and went with his family entourage. I can imagine Sarah saying, so where are we going again? And Abraham saying, I don't know. We're just going. And I hear Sarah saying, how should I pack? What should I bring along? And Abraham says, bring what you want and what you need, because we're not coming back. He responded to this call, and he went. God spoke, and he listened, and off he went. Again, God said to Abraham, In chapter 22 of Genesis, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants, and he took Isaac, his son. God said, take your son, And the scripture says, he took his son. We may read that and ponder, wondering how God made it known to Abraham. If God said to me what he said to Abraham, would I not second guess what I thought God said? And that may be the case. But there is much God has said that we know he has said. He has revealed it to us by his prophets, by the apostles, by the gospel writers. And we call it the Bible. Um, And we are called to faithfully respond to that voice. John Piper wrote a book called What Jesus Demands of the World. Uh, And he was in England somewhere studying. uh, And he, he, he read through the gospels and listed all the imperatives or commands in the gospels. And he found about 500 of them. Uh, And uh, you can see them in the book if you want, or you can read them in the Gospels where you hear them from Jesus himself. Uh, The question we need to ask ourselves, how responsive are we to the words of God, to the words of Jesus? How conscientious am I in responding to what my master and Lord, who who has given me these imperatives in the Gospel? And, And Piper didn't go beyond the Gospels. Maybe as you read the Scriptures regularly, You need a notebook and a pen with you. And and where you come to one of these commands, take note of it. Where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Or, Or do not worry, take no thought for tomorrow. We might want to say, how do I live that? What what does he mean? How can I be responsive to that? Abraham heard God's voice and he obeyed and he went. 
And we ask, how responsive are we to what Jesus has said in this book? It's not, uh, you know, a few years ago we had uh, WWJD, which some of you have never heard of, but some of you have. Uh, um, what, did Jesus, what would Jesus do? And maybe you need to change the question and ask, what did Jesus say? What did he call us to do? And then respond as Abraham responded. His faith was responsive. His faith was also courageous. Uh, Verse 8 again, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later call his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. That took courageous faith. Again we read, The Lord said, Go, and he went. And that does take courage. It takes courage for a man who is 75 years old to pick up all he has and move to another place that God would show him. He didn't know the destination. Now, there are some people who who have holidays, uh, and uh, they plan their holidays this way. There is no fixed destination. And so they get in their vehicle and they drive. They know they're going west, and they know they have to be back in 10 days. And so that's about as detailed as their plans get. And so they head out, and and away they go. If there's something they want to stop at, they stop. And if there's a place they want to eat, they stop and eat there. And uh, that's, that's their holiday. And that kind of holiday might drive you insane. Right? Because you want to have the Google Maps out for about a month before you leave. Uh, and you want to plan each day uh, specifically. And so you get all the websites for all the places you're going through. And so if you sort of go to PA and then on over to Battleford and then up to Lloydminster and you're going west. And, and so you check out, you know, there's a national park in Battleford and Lloydminster has a border and, and Vegerville is a big egg and, and uh, Edmonton has lots of stuff but it might be closed now because of the smoke uh, and uh, you head on uh, and uh, you know exactly where you're going to be and wh- when you're going to be there it's planned down to the minute you know what restaurant you're going to eat at on day 6 and you, and you know where you're going to stay on the night of day 3 and, and you know exactly when you're going to come home And there will be no deviation from the plan. That's more like it, is it? For some of you, it is. Right? We want to know. We want to be in control. Abraham's trip was not like that. He was the first one. He was going out to where he didn't know where he was going. And and off he went. We have friends who were in a successful business in Alberta. Separately, they sensed the call of God to serve in mission. They were in their, I think, mid to late 50s. Uh, they sold their business, applied to a mission agency who assigned them to Niger in, uh, in Africa, French-speaking country. Uh, in their approaching retirement years, they went to language school and they learned French. And their friend managed a hospital in, in Niger. Total change of life. Didn't know where it would be, but that's where they ended up. Around the time of COVID, they had to come back to Canada. And and today they serve immigrants in Winnipeg. And they do it joyfully. And they're ready for God to say, I want you to go to Thailand. And and we'll serve there, wherever it is that God wants you to be. Uh, They're still impacting lives, scores of lives from all over the world. And they're still ready to move as God calls. 
Abraham went armed with a promise, one that was bigger and seemingly impossible, but he believed God, and the Bible tells us it was counted to him as righteousness. He went by faith, and that faith absolutely was courageous. Took courage to do it. It was also costly faith. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 5 tells us that he set out from Haran, uh, leaving his relatives and father's house except for Lot and brought all of his possessions and the people who were in his employ. Uh, he, he packed up and away he went. And he was off to uh, where God was going to show him. Tina and I have done our share of moving in the past 14 years. Uh, and even with free cardboard boxes, I feel like I was, I was on first-name basis with the liquor store, uh, and, uh, uh, and a U-Haul, it was a challenge. We had a couple of fish, and that was only pets we had to move, and they survived the trip from Meadow Lake to Winnipeg. But um, we had no flocks, no herds that, that uh, Abraham had. But God said to Abraham, go, and he went, and he arrived at Canaan. He, he left his father's household, And if it was not for the promise of God, he would not have died. God called, and away he went. I was 17 when I sensed the call of God to vocational ministry. I scouted around the UK for Bible colleges, and uh, because I thought that's what you were supposed to do if you were going to be in vocational ministry. There was a man who had significant influence on my life. He told me about this college, or this Bible Institute at that time, in Saskatchewan, Miller Memorial Bible Institute. Not even called that anymore, Uh, but uh, that's where it was. Uh, And uh, it never occurred to me to leave the UK. That just wasn't even on my radar. And uh, it was 1973 in Northern Ireland. And there was much upset, uh, unrest, The village where I lived in had had its share of bombings and murder of local residents. Uh, And the thought of of leaving this war-torn province uh, and getting away from it sounded just wonderful for about three seconds. Uh, Because I'd never been away from home before. Uh, I maybe had a few holidays away, but not really. Uh, And uh, I was not the adventurous type. I liked to follow others. My whole family was in Ireland, and so when the call came to go to Canada, I said, no way, <laughs> not a chance, I'm not doing that. that like, like, where does that come from? Uh, and, uh, and as I'm saying no, I, I, uh, I'm in my devotions that night, uh, and I'm reading Luke chapter 18, and these verses appear. They're actually there. Uh, and says, truly, verse 29, Truly I say to you, Jesus said to them, No one of you has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will receive many times as much in this age as in the age to come eternal life. It was like Jesus sort of entered the room. Uh, and instead of his disciples, it was me he was talking to. And so by the, you know, the end of that verse, it wasn't no way I'm not going, Is yes why I'm going. In September 1973, I arrived in Pembroke, and uh, it was very different to Ireland. Uh, I believe me. It was brown. <laughs> I left green. Uh, Fifty years later, the promise of Jesus to his disciple has been fulfilled in my life multiple times. Having left my biological family, I have been received and accepted in the family of God everywhere I have gone. 
Many have said to me, our home is your home. Do I think it was costly? Well, not really, because God has, has been very faithful. But others have said to me, wow, you were 17 when you did that? How could you do it? Do you regret it? Absolutely not. But it was a cost to be gone. Abraham left his uh, father's household. Abraham had a greater challenge in his faith, a higher cost still to come. Genesis 22 tells the story that, that Hebrew, Hebrews 11 refers to in, chapter, in verse 17. Take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Anything we are asked to do is small compared to that. I can't imagine the thoughts that went through Abraham's head. I suspect the emotions were like a, a raging ocean, but tucked in his mind with all that turmoil was the knowledge of a promise that God would be faithful. And he was faithful. Abraham considered that, that God didn't give him and Sarah this promise of a child for the story to end this way. And he, and he thought, even if I obey God, God will keep his promises. And so he obediently went. And he went to the edge on Mount Moriah and was about to sacrifice his son when God stopped him. No one of us can fathom that step of faith. But no matter what God asks of us, no matter how costly, we can trust God that he will keep his promises. He will not let us down. He will not abandon us at the last moment. He will bring us through. And so there was that costly faith for him. But he trusted even in the midst of it. He had patient faith. Uh, Genesis 21.5 says, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. At 75, God called Abraham and promised, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. A great nation, a great name, a great blessing to the world and the nations through you was the promise that I'm sure Abraham found hard to wrap his head around. A little later, there was a promise of a son who would be his heir, and the offspring from that son would be like the stars of the sky and the sand and the ocean. He and Sarah were not able to have children, and now the Lord promises a son. I'm sure Abraham said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> this is great. Uh, and I'm sure he wandered around thinking uh, what it would be like to have a son who would go with him every day and do what he does and be with him. But a year passed and there was no son. And another year passed and there was no son. And another year passed and there was no son. But Abraham believed. He believed the promise, even though there was no son. And 24 years later, Abraham was doing the math and saying, this is getting less possible all the time. God appeared and said, by this time next year, you will have a son. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And I, you know Isaac is, means laughter, and I'm sure there was a lot of laughter the day he turned up. So um, through, through the process, Abraham believed God and patiently waited 25 years 
for God to fulfill his promise. He is the model of faith and the promises of God. The Lord he believed and trusted in is the one we gather around this morning in this place of worship. We give thanks to him and we we patiently trust his faithfulness. Hebrews 10 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And you may be praying, and you may be asking God for something, and you're not sensing an answer. Abraham knows what you're going through. He sort of sat around for 25 years, or 24 years waiting. Be patient. God is faithful. And God will come through. I was part of a ministry in Meadow Lake called Meadow Lake Outreach Ministries. We started it, and three, three pastors went to the bank with $20, and, and we formed this organization. And, uh, and we sort of kind of said smugly to each other, if we have $20 in the bank, we are wealthy. <laughs> you know, we, we are in very positive financial position at uh, 20, uh, $20. Well, our... Uh, uh, one day, I was serving as the chairman of the organization. Our treasurer came, uh, and uh, Elaine said, um, we've got a lot of money that we have to pay bills, and uh, we don't have enough money in the bank. We had $20, which I thought was wonderful, but our bills were like five, $6,000. And she says, I'm not sure what to do. Uh, and uh, I'm going on holidays tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> and I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, so as we sat and talked about it, we said, well, we could create a crisis. We, we could call all the Christian people we know, call the churches and get them all fired up. And, and I'm sure we can pull in $5,000 pretty quick. Uh, and there was just something in my head says, don't do that. Uh, that's like silly. Uh, and and uh, don't. And so we, we, we prayed together and says, God, we believe you started this thing. Uh, we believe you will keep it going. Uh, and uh, we need $5,500, and uh, you, you know, you own all the cattle and all that. Uh, and so we're trusting you. And she left and went and holidays and handed me the checkbook and said, <laughs> good luck. Uh, so, having prayed, uh, I got in my vehicle and went down to the post office. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's something about going to the post office after you've prayed for money. <laughs> you know, there, there was sort of skipping my step, and I was going up to the mailbox, and I opened the door, uh, and there was an envelope. Now, you know where this is going, don't you? Uh, and uh, so, so I opened the envelope, and there was a check in it. Thank you, God. <laughs> for $100. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is, like, this is not the ending I wanted. And uh, so I thank you, Lord, for $100. Like, half a loaf better no bread, right? Uh, and uh, so I went out, and uh, there was this kind of voice in my head that says, uh, there was two bills that were due that day, SAS Power, SAS Energy. Uh, and uh, we had made this commitment that we would not uh, be late in paying for bills. Uh, and uh, the voice said, so why can't you pay the bill? <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. 
And, and so I went off and, and I paid uh, the, the two bills and, um, and then became patient. Uh, and uh, over the next few days, I wasn't picking up the mail after that. Uh, and Elaine came back and I called her and I said, so uh, how are we doing? And she says, oh, the bill's all paid. And uh, uh, there was uh, an older couple in our community who had never donated to the ministry. Five grand, just given to us. (laughs) Uh, Patient faith. Not being impulsive and running and making a loud noise. And, And God was gracious to us. Abraham practiced... I'm doing something wrong here right? um, with this mic. <laughs> uh, Abraham uh, practiced radical faith. It was faith that acted against all logic and common sense. Abraham, your wife, is 90 years old. She will have a son next year. That's radical faith. Sarah had trouble with it and thought it was some kind of cruel joke. She laughed at the idea, but Abraham believed God. And by that time next year, she was smiling, holding her little bundle of laughter. God was faithful. How, how would Abraham explain to those around him that he offered Isaac as a burnt offering to the Lord? I'm sure Isaac was the delight of Abraham's life, that Abraham to- often told the story of how he was born in their old age. He was miraculously born, and now he was to go sacrifice him as a burnt offering. But Abraham believed God, and he was obedient to the call to go to Mount Moriah and offer his son. As he was going up that mountain, Isaac was already sacrificed. Some of you who have heard bad news about your spouse, that their health is not good, understand what I'm saying. The decision was made. He already had done it. And, and, and the sacrifice was made. And so on, uh, he, he goes, and it was not necessarily grief, but there was something in him that gave him hope because he believed that God had made a promise. And even if he actually killed the boy or sacrificed him, God would raise him up because he made the promise and he knew that God was faithful. Now that is radical faith. And now, uh, uh, that I find hard to come close to grasping. Yet you and I sit here, and while we may not have that kind of decision to make, there are other decisions that we make where we have to practice faith that we can't exactly see how it's going to end up. Some of you have sat in church membership meetings where some uh, project is being proposed to do and it's going to cost you money and how many decisions have been made in light of the perceived means meaning can we afford it can we afford to do what we're asking to do and I wonder if we've missed experiencing God in a deeper way because we said no we can't afford it We can't provide what we think it takes. 
In some moments when a decision is made to make a hire or to trust God for money, when it seemed like there was no earthly source, and the decision was made to go ahead anyhow, and God miraculously provides. I remember one night in the membership meeting, uh, we needed to hire another staff member, just had to have it. Uh, And our treasurer got up and said, "Uh, we can hardly pay our power bill. Uh, And uh, there was just a real depressed sense in the meeting. And there was was this man, he was a veteran, uh, and he, he, he never said much, but he spoke and said, we just can't not do this. The ministry, we, we have to have it. And all of a sudden, the, the, the mood in the meeting transformed and changed. And somebody said, well, we need to give more money and all that. And then somebody said, let's ask the question. So made a motion, a seconded. And all of a sudden, let's vote. And almost unanimously, it was voted in. And then we said, now what? <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we made the hire. And we never looked back. The church had more money than it ever had. And we still made payroll. And, we, and they still do, 25 years later. Abraham trusted God for 100 years, and at 175, 175, he died. He lived in tents all his life. He looked for a city with foundations, the city of God, uh, the city God designed and built. He died seeing the promised son, but he didn't see the, the, the extent of his family like the stars in the sky and the sand by the shore. He died believing God that God will fulfill his promise even though he had only got a small taste of it because there was so much more. He kept his eyes on the God of the promise and he knew that there was a city, a city that would come down from heaven where God would be with his people and they would be there. And he stood on that glorious promise of the eternal city. Abraham was a man of faith. He responded to God faithfully. When God asked him to do tough things, he was courageous. When God asked him to do a difficult thing, he he, he didn't say, no, I can't afford it. When, When it didn't seem like it was happening, he was patient. And when other people looked at the the steps he took, they said, that's pretty radical, what you're doing. But he went on ahead and did it anyhow. And we we, we could think that the story of this man is so far from the people you and I think we are that we just say, wow, isn't that great that that, uh, Abraham did that? So who do you think will win the hockey game tonight? It's not in our ballpark. In reality... Abraham was in a less favorable place than you and I are when it comes to faith. Abraham was a human like you and me. When he hit his thumb with a hammer, it turned black. And when the knife slipped in his hand and he cut his thumb, it it, uh, bled red. And when he came in from a day's working, he was hungry. And when he got tired, he needed to sleep, just like you and I. The faith that Abraham lived out is the faith that you and I possess. And it doesn't take much, Jesus says. Mustard seed, that's all it is. He didn't have the scriptures, the word of God. He he didn't have the story of God's faithfulness and salvation throughout history. Still he believed God and was counted him for righteousness. 
And so if I was to be the presenter of his eulogy, it would be this text in Hebrews that I would present. There's a day when you and I, more than likely, uh, I mean not I, but you, uh, will lie here in a box and people will celebrate your life. And some good friend of yours will have a eulogy and they will talk about your life. They will give personal recollections of the times you drunk coffee together, the times you went fishing, the times you went to church, whatever it all was you did. And the question is, how will they refer to your faith? How will they speak of your walk with God? Will they use words like, he, he responded well. She was courageous. She was sacrificial. He was patient. They were radical. They, they just threw caution to the wind and, and went. Which it seems like Abraham did. Or will it get a short mention? Will it get mentioned at all? Or will it be impossible for that person who's giving that eulogy to speak of you without speaking about your relationship to Jesus? Now, before you ask me, well, what should we do? You know, like the people in Jerusalem, what should we do, Peter? Uh, maybe the question is, what are you doing? What's actually happening? What are you doing in response to, to everything Jesus commanded? In Matthew, as it says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, We serve the same God, and he has given us the faith to do what he has called us to do. And so maybe like Abraham, we need to step out and be obedient. And it's not just for sort of the professional uh, ministers and missionaries, no sort of people. It's all of us, as God calls all of us to serve him. Will we be obedient to him and be faithful servants to the glory of God? And that's, I think, as a, um, I'm not sure if this sort of ends what you've been doing in Genesis. Um, it's what I believe God sort of gave me for this morning. Um, ask yourself, how am I responding? When God says, go, go to your neighbor, <laughs> go, to, go across the street, Go to the person who pumps gas for you. When he says that, do I go? And uh, it's a test of our faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for a man like Abraham. Thank you for how he uh, was willing to respond to you and be faithful to uh, your promise. Lord, may we pick up from him and may we take this lesson from this man who is a model of faith for us in the scriptures and be faithful to you and live our lives to glorify you by obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.